Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Last week, we spoke about what it was to be a true worshiper. Um, we learned how a true worship worships with awe. So that means we realize uh, and get outside of our little uh, zones for a little bit. Have you ever been uh, in your house? I know I've done this when we bought one of those blow-up jacuzzis. And I went outside. And it dawned on me, I haven't seen the stars in so long. Like I've been, maybe five years, I haven't even looked at the sky because I'm so busy in my bubble. And I switched all the lights off in the house, got into the little blow-up lazy spa. Anyone had a lazy spa before? Um, and just looked up and it's like, whoa. And I was just reminded the universe is so big and I'm so small, but yet God still loves me. And so we come to worship with awe. Uh, we, the second point, we worship with abandon. So not caring what people think like David expressed and showed by his example. And then lastly, with intimacy, we share our most meaningful thoughts with God. That's how we worship. We give him our heart. Um, so today, I want to talk to you about a message called Lift Up Your Hands. Lift up your hands. Some of you are getting really nervous. Like, what's he going to do? What are we talking about here? Let me just pray. God, I just pray and thank you for your presence. I just ask you to come and speak now through your word, through me, uh, and guide me. And Holy Spirit, convict us, show us, guide us where we should go and what we should do. In Jesus' name, amen. Lift up your hands. I remember years ago when I was just a young man going to youth clubs and youth fellowships and different things like that. We used to joke about people that lifted up their hands in worship. Uh, and I was like, what's going on with this whole lifting up the hands thing? Because my mates would just say, oh, you going to one of those churches where they screwed the light bulbs, you know? <laughs> they screw the light bulbs. Or you go in and you see everyone's doing different things. They're in a wee Christian two-step. There's another person's doing the like, you know, the lifting the TV. You know, just receive, lift the TV. Another person's at half mass, like I'm not there yet, but I'm I'm step two, you know, woo! No one can really see me, but I'm kind of halfway there, you know. I'm feeling good about myself, like God, I give you half worship. And then you've got people are are, are it's the it's the umpire, you know, the two hands. <laughs> or, or maybe you it reminds you of people bringing the plane in on the airway. Uh, onto the, okay, or the aisle, down to the left and to the right, there's exit signs. Um, and so if you're not in, it's a church and you're not, we get a lot of people who are non-church or just like not really being into it. And you're probably coming in here, what is wrong with these people? Like, actually, when I was in Florida, there was a lot of um, uh, people from South America and they're really expressive. They're like, it's not just like bring, bring the plane into the airway, it's like, do like a wee wave and a dance and woo, Lord gee. Uh, and I, I was like, well, I'm really not comfortable here. I'm trying to figure out what is going on. But what I realized is that everyone, everybody worships and likes to express themselves in different ways. Some people, when you're out and maybe socializing, some people like to dance. And some people just like to sit in the background and just watch and judge everyone. Um, uh, because they're scared to dance and it's more comfortable to do that. Uh, nobody in here like that, obviously. Um, but anyhow, lifting up your hands, we see it within the Scriptures. I want to dig into it a little bit, and why is it involved in this topic of worship? So I want to start with this. In Matthew 2 and 2, it says, this, we're talking 
we're starting to look at when Jesus came to the earth as a baby, and we're obviously coming closer to Christmas now, and so it's kind of relevant. It says this, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Now, what's that? We have come to worship him. So, so these men were coming to see this newborn king. Why? To give him praise because of who he is. And so if we're not careful in the westernized world, we can make worship all about us. Hey, God, I want to experience you. I'm going to worship you to get something for me. I didn't feel tingles today, God. You mustn't be real anymore. What? You know, I, don't, I didn't feel as excited today in worship. Well, who's it about? They came to Jesus to, to kneel down, to bow down, to bring gifts, to honor, to glorify just who he is and what God has done. That brings great freedom because all of a sudden it's no longer about me and how I feel and do I feel tingles or am I excited? It's not about me. It's about God was first. He is the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So when we come with a, a, a proper posture of worship, we don't come looking for what I can get. We come looking to say, God, I'm in awe of you. You're amazing. You give me breath in my lungs. You created the smallest atoms to the biggest stars. I give you glory. And as I give you glory and I worship you, all of a sudden I actually do feel good about myself too. It feels like, it feels like I fit in the correct position. It fits like a glove. And so that's where we're looked after as well. So what's this? God is not here for us, but we're here for God. And there might be a little bit of your fleshly, maybe your mindset, your belief systems dies there. You're maybe a bit disappointed. That's good. That's a good disappointment because you've been believing the wrong thing about worship. Can I get an amen? Uh-oh. 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 God is not here for us, we're here for God. So we see within the Bible four kind of postures of worship, especially in, in these wise men that were coming to visit Jesus, King Jesus, they brought gifts. We see within the Bible they pour out their heart, people pour out their heart to God, to Jesus. They bow the knee to a king, to Jesus as a form of worship, and they also lift up their hands. There's also clapping of hands. There's all kinds of different expressions, but these are some. So it wasn't within the Scriptures, lifting up your hands wasn't seen about a, so much about a feeling. It was more about an act. It was an act of worship. It wasn't so much about, I feel good, whoa. It was more, glory to your name, Boom. And that's the foundation and a really important one because before we know it, if we're not careful, we can start to believe it's about me, how I feel. And if I don't feel right, then it, maybe it's not worship. No, if you don't feel good and you're still giving God glory, it's still worship. Sometimes your feelings will need time to catch up. Sometimes you're distracted. Sometimes you just need more time in worship because it's maybe just a, a quick thing. Maybe throughout the week, you're not really being able to, to settle and relax and actually focus. David in the wilderness says this in Psalm 63, says, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary 
and beheld your power at your glory. Because your love is better than life, so he's obviously very impressed with God's love. He's experienced God's love. So it's not this disconnected kind of robotic thing either. My lips will glorify. It's a natural response to God's love. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. So he's making a decision. To, it's a plan. I'm lifting up my hands in your name. Uh, he's, probably, he's writing this. He's speaking about this probably while he's not doing this. Because it's a, it's a predetermined idea, decision that he's made. I think it's one of those situations where when you experience God's um, heart and you see his character, it's, it's literally just a way of saying, thank you, God. I'm reminding myself of who you are and what you've done for me. Thank you. I want to express that. This is a way that I can express that. Here's Paul uh, speaking to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2 and 8, and he's saying to Timothy, now remember Paul is a man who used to hate Christians. He opposed Christianity. He tried to stop Christianity. He even killed Christians. But he's flipped his life around, and he's learned some things, obviously, along the way, to the point where he read two-thirds of the New Testament. But this is something that he said when it came to worship. He says, therefore, I want men everywhere to pray lifting up Holy hands without anger are disputing. So he didn't say, lift up holy hands if you feel like it. If you want to, it's a good idea. No, he says, I want, this is going to be a form of worship that gives God glory. It's near as if he knew that this is just the kind of worship that God loves. Come on, some of you parents in here, have you ever seen... Maybe a son or a daughter, or maybe you just maybe walking along the street in the park and you've seen a kid fall. And when the kid falls, the kid might start to cry. And as soon as this kid starts to cry, the first thing they want often is they get on their feet and they put their hands in the air and they cry for their mommy or their daddy. What, what are they asking for? They're asking for help. It's a natural response. And you know, a good father or a good mother is not going to not give that child help if they can. They'll run to that kid as, as quick as that kid is running to them. I would say even that parent probably loves to see their children run to them with arms up, needing them. It gives them a sense of purpose and like a desire to protect and God is the same as that. God loves it when we raise up our hands asking for help. He wants to embrace us. He wants to help us. He wants to encourage us. It might not just get rid of all of our injuries the same way that the knee might still be cut and damaged. But that awful, painful situation actually gives an opportunity for a deeper interaction between father and son, mother and daughter that wouldn't have been there without the pain. Maybe some people in here, you're going through some pain, some heartache. What if that's an opportunity for you to experience God's love as you reach out, as you ask God, like David did throughout the Psalms, for help, God, help me. Search my heart. Rescue me. So second... 
Second point, God loves hands raised in worship. It's just something that he loves. <laughs> have you realized yet in life, sometimes if you want a healthy relationship, you have to do some things that you don't necessarily care maybe sometimes too much about, but someone else might. I've learned that when I take the bins out, I don't really care too much about that, but it helps my relationship. <laughs> a lot. My wife appreciates when I take the bins out. And so I'm not excited about it sometimes. I'm not looking forward to it. Sometimes I'm disciplining myself to do it. Why? Because it just helps our relationship when I serve in that way. And sometimes raising your hand is just a way. You know what I have to do? Sometimes I have to kill my flesh, humble myself, bow the knee in a way. I'm not actually bowing my knee. Well, actually, I do. I do a squat to lift the bag up. And I have to go and leave that out. It's, it's a bit messy. It's a bit dirty. It's a bit humbling. But it's good for my heart, and it's good for my soul, and it's good for my relationship. What if, oh, I don't want to raise my hands and worship God because I feel a bit embarrassed. Well, that's good. Because that's, your, your flesh is dying. You're starting to disown what people think. You're, you're giving yourself an opportunity to give God glory, even though you feel a little bit embarrassed. Now it's got some value. Now it's got some worth. Now it's actually doing some good work to your heart. Because what often holds you back from, from doing things God's way is what other people think. So if you can get some exercise into your life where you're doing things which, which oppose that, you're killing off the pride in you that holds you back from good things that God has for you. Can I get an amen? amen. The longer... <laughs> the longer I live, the more I realize, the sooner I respond to God and the quicker I respond to God, it's, it's, it's a sign of me becoming more mature in my obedience to God, being able to kill the flesh more easily. And the same with my earthly relationships, this is exactly the same thing. The quicker I can submit myself to, to another person, the better that relationship can be. The Bible says in James 4 and 8, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Draw near. So, so when we, we draw near with our hands raised or, or even just spending time with God as we pray and fast this week, as we draw near, the Bible says he, he's going to draw near to you. It's the same way, if you can just picture that kid that's just fallen over here, the first thing he wants to do or, or she wants to do is to, to draw near to their parents, their mom or their dad. And as the parents see that they've submitted themselves and they need help, then the parent is at the other side running in the same direction where they meet in the middle. One draws near, the child draws near, and the parent draws near too. And then there's interaction and love is expressed. Trust is built. Intimacy is built. It's the same with God. So none of this is really out there. It's not really anything new. What would be new is just that we would actually participate and do it. Next point um, in Psalms 141, verses 1 to 2. This is David, and, and he's in a situation. And he says, Oh Lord, I'm calling to you, just like that child. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer 
as an incense offered to you, as my, what's this, upraised hands as an evening offering. Well, what is an offering? Well, if you talk about a financial offering, it's something that you give. If you have, if you have a godly mindset in your offerings, you think of it in a way, I'm just giving back to God what's already His. I'm stewarding it. I don't own it. I'm stewarding it. God, I'm not living forever. I'm not a per- permanent citizen on the earth. So anything I have is temporary. Can I get an amen? Your house is temporary. Your car is temporary. Your possessions are temporary. Even on the earth, your relationships will not last forever on the earth. Temporary. And so when we start to have God's mindset on the earth, which is stewardship, even my job as a pastor here is temporary. I'll not be here forever. So if I have a mindset of stewardship, I, I, I now start to plan better. I start to think, right, I need to raise someone up to come behind me. I need to, to raise the next generation up if we want this church to succeed generation to generation. It's not just about me. And so when we have that mentality when it comes to worship, David's talking about, I give you an offering of worship. Sometimes in the Bible it says a sacrifice of worship. If you know that your Old Testament, you'll know that when they wanted to become right before God, they would bring a sacrificial offering. That was where they would deal with their sin through the sacrifice of an animal. And it all pointed towards the sacrificial lamb, which was Jesus. But it was an offering that was given something of great value that they had that they probably wanted to keep, but they were killing the flesh and handing that offering over to be crucified, to be killed, to deal with their sins. So here, it seems that David is speaking in the same way, the same kind of language. I'm giving you an offering of praise. I'm, I'm taking the things that maybe I want to hold on to, comfort, That comfort might be where we live, position. It might be conversational, who we want want to talk to and who we don't want to talk to. It might be to do with forgiveness, who we want to forgive and who we don't want to forgive. It could be anything, really. But he said, I'm taking and I'm giving you an offering of praise. I don't feel like praising, but I'm going to praise anyhow. I'm not comfortable with worshiping right now because life isn't perfect. and Life isn't working out the way I intended, but I'm going to praise anyhow. And so as I praise anyhow, what begins to happen is we invite God into the picture. We're raising our hands like that child and say, come and help me. We're inviting God into our space. In the same way, people went to groups this week. What did they do? They offered up their time to spend time together that they could have been watching Netflix, they could have been going and watching sports, they could have been just lazing about the house, they could have been making money, but they decided to create space and offer some of their time to the community of God. Why? Well, first and foremost is to worship God and to love people. And in doing so, what, what it brought around was a renewed mind. And so, so this exchange, the great exchange that we have with God, isn't one that goes, to, it's not one-way street. You think about the father and the mother as that child is running with open arms. That parent come, actually comes into probably a place where they're like, I was made for this as a parent, as a mother, as a father. I actually take privilege in looking after this child. God's the same. He's just waiting for us to give him an offering, a sacrifice of praise. And then he enters into her heart. 
in their situations and starts to change things for the better. And David knows this. So an offering of praise. I'm going to finish with this. I love this story. Some of you will know this story. And this is Moses, um, the Israelites, God's people in the Old Testament. They're going to war. And they're obviously God's chosen people, so they want God's help. They want God's will. They want God's direction. But sometimes they didn't do it God's way. Um, and they used to cycle and they used to go through these circles uh, where they're going around the mountain, it seemed, but God moved them forward slowly because they struggled with obedience. <laughs> uh, and they forgot God time and time, but they continued to repent, continued to come back, and then took, took a few more steps forward. And so here, here we have another fight, another resistance, another, another army coming against them called the Amalekites. And the situation was that there was Moses and then there was Joshua. Joshua was on the ground. He was going to war with God's people and their army. And Moses decided that I'm going to go to the mountain with two others and I'm going to pray. Why? Because Moses knew that there's a spiritual battle with every physical battle and they're connected. Did you know that throughout the week we had people who physically met but things spiritually moved? When you create physical time to pray with God, things shift spiritually. And vice versa. So the spiritual and the physical are connected. One does not go without the other. You can be sure that if someone's not in church regularly, spiritually they're on the downward slope. I would put money on it if I was a betting man. The people who start to disconnect and isolate and they stop physically showing up to things, if someone stops physically showing up to the gym or to training, I can be sure that when it comes to football on a Saturday, they're probably not going to be as sharp as they once were. Things go downhill. But why? Because the physical and the spiritual are connected. There's a, there's a correlation. And that's why it's amazing when you're in prayer, when you're in worship, when God comes down and speaks to you in the Spirit. And he gives you a dream. Listen, we're standing here today because I was in worship one day and God spoke to my heart when I was 17. And because I knew it was God, and I knew it was a dream that wasn't just like a dream about me, a dream about what I can build and what I can do. And it was, it's just, it was sustainable. And every high and every low, it still stayed firm because it wasn't a dream from me. It was a dream from God. And because of that, I've never let go of it. When I felt discouraged, it's just still there. And that's when we worship and we get things from God. And what happens is it manifests into real life if we're obedient and we follow God's way. That's why if we want to see God move in our friendship circles, in our neighbors, it's going to look like speaking to our neighbors physically with our mouth, helping them cut the lawn, building up a relationship because when we physically act upon what God has put in us, then the spiritual begins to align with that. What is prayer and fasting? Prayer helps us to connect with God. As we pray, as we speak it out, then what happens is in the spiritual, we begin to align with God's heart. We begin to become sensitive to what He's saying. 
And fasting, it disconnects us from our earthly instincts. Or, or, or. So, so for instance, a lot of times fasting is with food. Why? Because we like food. And food causes us to cry out. What, what happened to Jesus when he was in the wilderness? He was fasting, praying and fasting. And temptation came. And what did, the, what did the devil come and whisper the lies into his mouth? If you turn this rock into bread, why? Because you're hungry. And so that's exercise for Jesus. Why? Because he wanted to prepare for ministry. He wanted to prepare for a move of God. And what it looked like was physically neglecting some things which were, were immoral, nor good or bad, but it allowed his spirit man to grow. It was resistance that he needed to say yes to God so that when other tests come, like going to the cross, he was prepared spiritually. He was strong spiritually. He could say yes spiritually. And because he said yes spiritually, it manifested physically. And today, all throughout the earth, he has left us to build his church. And because of that, Christianity has grown and been in revival ever since. And so the spiritual and the physical are always connected. And so here we have, so Joshua, what's this? In Exodus 17 and 10, it says, So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. We're talking about worship. We're talking about putting things into God's hands. We're talking about where God leads us, he brings us to victory. And then it goes on to say, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under his arms. He sat on it, and Aaron and Hur held his hands, now watch this, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. Watch this. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. So they're praying on the hilltop, on the mountaintop, and because of their prayers, it was changing the physical results of the war. It was changing the destiny of their family, of their people. I wonder what would happen if you began to pray for your family. I wonder what destinies would change in your children as you continue to worship, but not just worship, but to act in obedience to God's ways, act in obedience to God's system, start to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. I wonder what would happen in your community if we'd done what Moses done. So they'd done both. Moses says, you go do the physical battle, I'm going to go do the spiritual battle. And as they'd done both, not one or the other, they didn't just come to church and pray and hope for the best, no, no, they, they prayed, and then they'd done the work. And they've seen victory, they've seen results, they've seen breakthrough. And a big, a, a big point here I really want to make is you don't only need just God. It's not just about prayer. But you need each other too. Because what happened was, was Moses had his hands up for a while, he done good for a while. He worshipped for a while, but then his, his physical body became tired and his energy began to wane. And as he began to struggle, so did his people. So, so did those that were under him. So did his family. So did his community. 
And that same thing goes for us. Our light begins to grow dim if we're trying to do it on our own strength. And so it's not just, we're not going to be super spiritual about it and say it's all about just God's strength. No, clearly the scripture shows us it's about each other. That's why groups are important. At our group during the week, we got, to, we got to ask at the end of the group, hey, does anyone need prayer? And multiple people showed up, hey, can you pray for my friend? Can you pray for this situation in my family? Can you pray for these people that live close to me? And we were able to come together and lift each other's hands up. And you can't tell me as we've lifted up each other's hands that, that, that God will not manifest breakthrough in those situations all the more because of it. Some of you are here today because you've had a grandmother or a mother or a family member who's been praying for you for years. But you don't quit. And you keep praying because as you pray, it activates the supernatural power of God that will manifest in the, in the natural ways, whether it be a physical fight or any kind of resistance, whether it be at work. As we worship, as we lift up our hands, there's more to it than just trying to do something that looks fancy or, 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 or spiritual. And listen, let me tell you this. Anyone that raises their hands in worship, they're not putting their hands up trying to pretend they're perfect. They're actually raising their hands as, as a sign of weakness, of like, God, I need you. So, oh, they think they're so spiritual. Why? <laughs> I surrender. I'm giving up control. I'm giving it back to you, Lord. So, so when we, we worship with our hands raised, whether it be in private, in public, re really what it is, you know, two hands raised, that's a sign of international, an international sign of surrender too. It's also a sign of victory. Come on, some of you Ireland supporters loving those South Africans and they're kicking. You know, you can't tell me there was not some guys in their living rooms or at the game yesterday with their hands up in victory, excited giving glory to their team. Or even, you, I gave United a hard time last week, but they actually won. Johnny Evans, come on, son. Sco well, he yeah, he scored, but it was disallowed. Man of the match, they doubted him. But there was victory. People were excited, hands were raised, they were excited. They gave glory to their, their team. And so as, as we worship with hands raised, it's glory and a surrender. And God loves both. And we're built for both. And it's in our nature for both. And it's not weird for both. And, and it's going to kill our flesh. And it's going to kill what we, what we, when we care too much about what people think. And so there's nothing better when you're in church and you get to practice what you preach. Oh. <laughs> so why don't we just practice right now? And let, let me set this up. Are you ready for this? Let me set this up. If you don't put your hands up, you're a weirdo. You're the weird one. Because really, that's what you're scared about, really, isn't it? Like, oh, I, I, I feel weird if I'm the only one. Put, no, if you, if you don't put your hands up, you're the weirdo. Well, let's flip it around. Sometimes when you do something together like that, and you, there's a physical action, it manifests something in the spirit, so you start to sense God's presence as you declare the word of God over your situations and it can bring joy where there's been hardship because you're starting to think not through your own eyes now not through natural eyes but through God's eyes Amen Amen 
I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.